This is the Sunday Sermon Series for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany in the traditional Latin Mass calendar, the year of our Lord, 2023. The epistle comes from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 and 9 and 10. Brethren, owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. A continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. At that time, Jesus got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was covered by the waves. But he was asleep. So they came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there came a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. So one thing I certainly don't miss about the modernist world is how many sermons started off with a joke. You should never joke at Mass before the Blessed Sacrament. But you're probably listening to this in a car. You're hopefully not listening to this before the Blessed Sacrament. So I am going to start with a joke I heard recently. There were several religious from different congregations praying the divine office, and a light bulb went out. What did they do? Well, the Benedictine closed his eyes and whispered his memorized psalms. The Franciscan composed a hymn to Sister Darkness. The Jesuit went and got a light bulb to screw it in. The Redemptorist said, You think this is dark? Wait till you see the pits of hell. The Dominican philosophized about how darkness is only the absence of light. The Institute of Christ the King priest panicked that no one any longer saw his baby blue sash. The SSPX priest ran to write a letter to donors for a new light bulb. And the FSSP priest said, Stay in the church! Stay in the church! Now, it was actually a priest from one of those last three congregations that told me this joke. And there are priests from those last three congregations that I respect very much. So hopefully nobody saw this as a harsh rip on them. Even the Jesuit side of that. You know, the Jesuits are my favorite order. Not to explain a joke I just told, but the Jesuit going and getting a light bulb, they were like the most practical um, and manly of all orders before Vatican II. So you look at the saints like um, St. Saint, Saint Peter Claver and St. Francis Xavier, and these were the most manly of men, who also had great practical knowledge, probably because their founder was a former warrior. But let's talk about that last part of that joke. What does it mean to stay in the Catholic Church? So today's gospel is often used to tell people to stay in the Catholic Church because it's the bark of Peter. But let's, let's listen to that gospel again. At that time, Jesus got into a boat and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was covered by the waves, but he was asleep. So they came and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there came a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So notice from today's gospel, it is most definitely Christ's boat. And Peter is in it, 
only insofar as he's faithful to Christ, as long as he's with Christ. Now, of course, the easy rebuttal to this is, yes, but who are you to judge who is faithful to Christ? You don't know people's intentions. Well, I wrote a blog recently called, He is to be accused by his subjects, and I'm going to link that in the show notes. In this blog, I quote numerous saints, including St. Isidore, whose quote is the name of that blog. Again, he is to be accused by his subjects, showing that your average Catholic can indeed recognize notorious heresy, even in a superior or a putative superior, especially if that heresy be manifest. And numerous saints, including St. Paul and St. Jerome, and another pope that I quote in that blog, say that you must identify that heretic and you must avoid him. And they ascribe this ability to your average Catholic. But this should be obvious. How did we get that that's a controversial opinion? How do we get this way where your average Catholic today across the globe, not just in the United States, your average class Catholic places loyalty, loyalty to a man ahead of his loyalty to God? You know, one definition of a cult is just that, when a group of people put loyalty to a man ahead of their loyalty to God, even at the expense of overlooking notorious heresy and criminal actions. Yes, that is the definition of a cult. Now, let's switch gears. You might think you know where I'm going. You probably don't, but I'm sure most of you have friends who are evangelicals who go to quote-unquote megachurches. Now, I would encourage you to ask them, if their lead pastor kissed a Quran or a, allowed a Buddhist statue in a service, if that lead pastor would have a job by the next weekend. Ask your evangelical friends in megachurches if their lead pastor said Jews shouldn't be evangelized, if they would defend that. Now, of course, we are Catholics, so we do recognize validly obtained office, and that's the key there, a validly obtained office. And that is different from a moral appraisal of a person. But when we defend the actions of criminals who appear to be our superiors in the faith or turn a blind eye to notorious heresy, even out of this internal pretext of obedience, yes, we are living in a cult. I think it's kind of funny how normie Catholics say traditional Catholics live in a cult, but it's quite the opposite. Here's my statement of faith. I put Jesus Christ and his Holy Mother in the Catholic faith ahead of defending criminals in the hierarchy precisely because I'm not a member of a cult. I am a Catholic. And what, again, is the definition of a cult? As I said, it's when a group of people places loyalty to a man ahead of their loyalty to God. So yes, the Catholic Church is the boat of Peter, but it's first the bark of Jesus Christ. And that is how you know if you're in it, is if you have the faith. That's not my opinion. If you read, again, my blog linked in this article, numerous saints and popes, say that you remove yourself from the church, well, maybe not so much for small heresies, but yes, for large manifest heresies. And your average Catholic can and should see it without the need of canonical intervention. Many people say that the opinion I'm proffering is risky. No, 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 it's a lot more risky to hang your hat on one person as you defend someone rejecting the entire Catholic faith. That is much riskier than me lining up my conscience behind tens of thousands of confessors, martyrs, virgins, and popes. Okay, but some of you might be thinking, but doesn't all this sound Protestant? No. First, because Luther rejected the fullness of the magisterium, and that's all that you will hear on this channel, is the fullness of the magisterium. And when I'm wrong about something, like when I thought that scamdemic was going big, I took that back a couple weeks later, 
I think that was about March or April of 2020. Secondly, Protestants are heretics themselves, and we can recognize them as much, if not more, than heretics who are speaking within the Catholic Church. But here's the thing, defending either of them will make you lose your soul. See how dangerous it is to claim obedience to a notorious heretic just out of safety that, oh, God wouldn't let 99% of Catholics in the world be wrong? Oh, yes, he would if we are facing the worst punishment from him in all of church history. Which leads to number three. Three, it is decisively Protestant to put one man on earth ahead of Jesus Christ. Just like they do with Luther or Calvin or their megachurch pastors, which is exactly what we cannot do, especially if one we look to denies Christ by both words and actions in notorious and manifest ways. Fourthly, we need to talk about Mary, because that's how we have the key to recognize this stuff. One famous person who lives in Rome, and I think kids can hear this following part because it's not graphic, but they do unfortunately have to identify heresy. One famous person who lives in Rome said that Mary wanted, not was tempted, wanted to call the angel Gabriel a L-I-A-R, case there are really little kids listening, as she held the body of Jesus at the foot of the cross. Now, even children know that's blasphemy. Go Google who said it if you're tempted to be mad at me for just speaking it. Anybody blaspheming Mary like that has publicly rejected the true faith. And that's why I have to publicly say on a series like this why we have to hold to the faith above and beyond what 99% of the world might tell us. Notice also that you don't have to be a cardinal or a canon lawyer to know that sentence I just said is blasphemy against both saints and angels to say something like that. No, it's not a slip of the tongue. This is persistent heresy we hear. And Mary is the destroyer of all heresies. Of course, she's always important in all of church history for that. But if ever there were a time like now when so many people would be in not only heresy but full-out apostasy, her little flock would need her more at that point in church history than ever. You know, the Magnificat is my favorite prayer of Mary, and it says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Or I should say, Mary prays that. Mary prays, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Or in Latin, Magnificat anima mea. That word magnificat is so beautiful. It's the root word of our English magnify. God magnifies his little Mary to be the womb that has encapsulated he who cannot be encapsulated by the heavens, as the divine liturgy says. But Mary herself also magnifies God in those small aspects of his own divine revelation to her little ones so that her apostles might recognize those surreptitious tricks of liberal Catholics fronting as merciful and tolerant. I'm not saying that Mary's asking for an army of heresy hunters or inquisitors in the 21st century as we're being driven underground. That would be impossible right now. But I am reminding you that one of the 15 promises of praying the rosary as given by Mary to a Dominican friar 500 years ago is this, that the rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. Which means you probably can't pray the rosary and persist in heresy. But it also means you'll be able to identify and avoid a heretic without any need of an imperfect counsel or canonical trial. And again, see my blog listed in the show notes if you need proof that I have the support of numerous popes and saints in saying this. But here's the thrust of this podcast and sermon today. It's, yes, we do stay in the Catholic Church, but that is done by holding to the articulated faith and morals of the Church and the liturgy and sacraments as only handed down by saints and as only then 
modified by real saints in very small ways. We stay in Christ's boat, which is first found in divine revelation, and secondly, in true worship, the sacraments in the ancient form. You know, that's not a cultish hanging a hat on a hook that can't hold it on one person, certainly not on a manifest or obstinate heretic. And we truly do have worse storms than any times in history. I put on Twitter this week, Vatican politics has always had a touch of mafia intrigue since the 9th century, but anyone who tells you we've seen days this dark in church history is either ignorant or mendacious. And I double down on that. I hold that. You can't study church history and say that we have a parallel for this. These waves hitting the boat of the Catholic Church right now are truly unprecedented for anyone who's done an honest study of church history. And so it does seem Christ is sleeping. I personally hope he wakes up soon. But we all must remember he is in control. He's probably allowing this to allow evil to bubble all the way to the top of the hierarchy before he skims it off and restores his church. But when that happens and how it happens is his prerogative. His prerogative. We must stay in the church, just as that joke I opened with said. But that is done by holding to the ancient faith and liturgy at all costs, not compromising on our conscience at all, come what may, even if we become afraid of what our doubling down will do. Also, we have to be very careful in the traditional world. We must not stand in this circular firing line, shooting fellow traditional Catholics on issues that we may not find out the answer to from God for a few more years. At least we may not see exactly how God saw it for a few more years. So this might entirely be a test from God, not only to hold to the faith, but if we can stay in charity to other Catholics. And you know, not to make this a Twitter sermon, but the other thing I put on Twitter this past week was this. I said, I see more evangelical Protestants convert to traditional Catholicism than modernist Catholics. It's probably because they believe in objective truth in divine revelation. So even though we are kind of batching the hatches and embarrassed, some people are pulling up the drawbridge, I get all that. Let's continue to welcome people who are doing their research in the books, finding the true faith. You know, Protestants have attacked the Catholic Church for 500 years, but now as they see it attacked from inside, from our worst people, some of them are wanting to enter into it and fight as one of our best. Not all of them, but a few of them, which is quite a miracle considering how embarrassing our hierarchy is right now. But God is being glorified and saving souls even as our Catholic Church boat is rocked mercilessly from within. Jesus will not sleep forever. He will punish those wicked men by throwing them into hell, and he will greatly reward those men and women and children who keep the ancient faith and liturgy despite their enduring white martyrdom, never making a deal with the devil, even for their own self-promotion or the promotion of their parish or their faith or whatever they think is necessary in this heresy, this moral heresy of consequentialism or proportionalism, we must do the good in front of us today, not plan out what we think is best for us. In fact, that is exactly what led Jesus to the cross. And the cross is exactly what redeemed mankind. In fact, perhaps Christ looks at us today in exactly the same way he said to the apostles in the boat in the gospel today, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? He knows we must look at him, have faith, and do the right thing. And then one last thing. Besides praying for the soul of our recently deceased Pope Benedict XVI, we have had death this year, early in 2023, of several men who have fought for the Catholic faith at granted varying degrees of orthodoxy, but all good men we need to pray for. 
So I will encourage you as you go to Sunday Mass this weekend or pray your rosary on the way to Mass, I would encourage you to please pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict XVI and Cardinal Pell and Father John Melnick and George Neumeier. The latter two I knew online, but not in real life, and I greatly admired their courage. But they still might be greatly in need of our prayers, so let's pray for the deceased in our lives for the rest of our lives either until they're canonized or until we die. And even in purgatory, we can pray for the souls of others in purgatory. We just can't pray for ourselves. So let's say that Hail Mary that we normally put at the beginning of the sermon. We would pray that Hail Mary for our friends who fought for the truth, especially Father John Melnick and George Neumeier. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.